0: Welcome to the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt podcast. My name is Megan Skidmore, and I work with LGBTQ families of a conservative faith background who feel their world has been turned upside down. I created this podcast with the goal of normalizing asking questions and having doubts, not just in a faith journey, but in all areas of life. I help my clients connect with their inner wisdom and move forward in their journey with confidence, clarity, and compassion. Welcome to A Transparent Journey, an interview with Jenny Byam, the LGBTQ plus life coach. Many thanks to Jenny for showing up and sharing her raw and vulnerable thoughts and feelings in regards to her journey, which landed right at the intersection of the LDS faith and a parent of a transgender kid. Welcome Jenny to the podcast. I am looking forward to our chat today. Little insight into how you and I met. Jenny and I are both life coaches. We both work with LGBTQ plus families, parents and the teens and the young adults. And we are both LGBTQ plus mamas. So we have connected on many different levels. I am just grateful and pleased that you agreed to come on the podcast today. And with that, take a minute and introduce yourself. Tell us all about you.
1: Thanks, Megan. Okay, so I I grew up in Southern Alberta, Canada. I grew up in the church. I was baptized when I was eight. I'm the youngest of four. All of my siblings were adopted, including myself. My parents got divorced when I was 18. And so that sometimes I feel like bleeds into how I feel about things, but I love to go to church. It was a safe place for me. At growing up as a youth and i loved my friends i loved the community of it and yeah it just it filled me it filled my soul and so i got married when i was 19 in the temple and had my first child when i was 21 and kind of went from there um yeah
0: that's, that's kind of a beautiful Yeah, that's a beautiful uh, introduction. And just for our listeners who uh, are of various faith backgrounds, when Jenny says she grew up in the church, she's referring to the LDS church, sometimes referred to as the Mormon church. So yeah, you're a Canadian. That's super fun. I can hear it in your voice.
1: (laughs) We all have weird accents.
0: Yes, you do. They're fun though. So you were married at 19 in an LDS temple Mm -hmm. shortly thereafter had your first child you have more than one
1: I do I have actually two children that are 12 years apart okay I tell people I had my oldest and my youngest and nothing in between (laughs) because I planned to have more children that just just kind of how it worked out so they're 12 years apart
0: you had all your life identified as a member of the LDS church.
1: Yeah, I did. So my husband and I, he really struggled with the church right from his youth, but we did get married in the temple and we did proceed to go to church. He was on it kind of on and off, you know, he tried his best. And then after my second child was born, he decided to leave the church, He just decided it wasn't for him anymore.
0: So that would have been when your oldest was 12.
1: <clears throat> yeah, like both 13, maybe 14. Okay. Yeah.
0: How was that for you?
1: You know what? It was not easy. Um, so we believe that our marriages are eternal. And so when he left the church, it really made me think about what that meant. Like, what did that mean for us? Are we were we, you know, gonna still be together in heaven after mm-hmm. if he wasn't part of the church, if he was, you know, um, mm-hmm. not keeping his commandments and, you know, being, and still going to church. And so it was a struggle for me. Um, yeah, it did shake my faith. The next few years after that, I was kind of back and forth, a little less active, a little more active. I held callings. I was in young women's primary relief society. Um, my husband comes from a very large LDS family. I was the youngest grandchild in my family so we weren't close with our cousins. Okay. His family is very close and we all right now live in like there's four of us that live at including five of us including his parents that live in a 10 minute radius of each other. We do a lot together and they're all part of the church and so we're very much still surrounded by oldest people in our community.
0: At 12 years, 12 to 13 years into marriage, those that that prospect must have been painful, possibly brought up some hurt, confusion. It did. It
1: almost felt like a betrayal to me. You know, I had this plan that we were going to be married in the temple and we would have children and live happily ever after. It was just changing my future.
0: Would you say that you allowed yourself to consider the possibility of a different way of thinking at that point put you in a place where could cause further harm definitely don't want to do that can you describe what that was like to finally allow yourself to wiggle or tease a little bit loose that led you to the realization maybe we don't know everything
1: well we're talking about my husband this person that I was supposed to be with forever right And it, it, it didn't make me not want to be with him. You know, he was my forever partner. And I felt like we were, we were still going in that direction. And so for me, it felt like, I don't even know how to explain it. Things were still going to move in a direction that they should hurt. And it was, yeah, it was very painful. But over time, I just began to realize that for him and I, there was still, we were still making progress. Like we were still moving forward together.
0: Would you say that you arrived at a place where you felt? I did because
1: he was, it, it made him happy. Like it made him feel less turmoil he felt a lot of turmoil with being in the church and not feeling like it was the right place for him to be Mm -hmm. and so he really struggled with that for years and years and he Mm -hmm. like he felt like you know he was there because people expected it of him Mm -hmm. and his family expected it of him you know he if he was wasn't going to church he wasn't doing the what was right he wasn't a good person, and I began to I began to realize after he left the church that that, that wasn't really true that he he was a good person. He's it's he's such an amazing, like generous, thoughtful, kind person. Yeah, he he was still the same person. He just didn't believe didn't believe. So you that were it was the right place for him.
0: you were realizing and acknowledging that your lived reality with your husband was not at all what. Perhaps family members, fellow community members, either in your civic community or your church community, loved ones. that wasn't who you saw at all. Mm-hmm. the way that maybe he was being viewed. Yeah, I think that's common. And I think it's it's interesting that it usually takes uh, someone who is close to us in some way, a family member, a close friend, loved one, going through some type of pivot in their faith journey, realizing that something about their beliefs no longer aligns with them. Mm -hmm. And in order to, yeah, right. uh, Right. So not only are they on their own faith journey, which can be exhausting, it can be exhausting. um, It can be scary. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it can be a whole lot of things. I'm I'm guessing your husband knew that you were going through your own journey, as perhaps because of what his choices were.
1: Yeah, for sure. And? Yeah, it didn't just affect him; it affected all of us.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, as a as a couple, how would you say that affected you in, in your communication in your ability to respect where each other was at and just be mindful and realistic about so in the
1: that. beginning in the beginning he he really struggled like he was angry when he first left mm-hmm. He had some real hurt feelings so it was hard to talk to him about it- uh-huh. but as time went on he made like re- resolved those feelings and so maybe
0: in the beginning he wasn't exactly sharing his questions with you yeah. Or- or sharing what was his concerns were.
1: Right. I don't think that way. I'm more of a, okay, let's think about this for a minute. And it makes sense to me. And I go with it. I don't sit and ponder and like ask deep questions. And I, I feel like it's almost like a cycle you get into where you're, you know, I don't know, can't get, old, they he kind of gets into it and then can't, can't get out of it after a while. And my, my other son's that way too. Very deep thinker. Very philosophical. So, would
0: you? Go there. You just don't go there. So, mm-hmm. would you say that's how you approach dealing with questions, things that are no longer congruent for you, things that bring up doubts for you?
1: Yeah, I do. It's not that I don't address them because I do, mm-hmm. and I do think about them, but I find I, I get through things a little bit easier, a little bit faster. Okay. I don't let them weigh on me as much as some people would.
0: You just, you, you decide something resonates, it feels good to you and you move forward with it. Yeah. Without too much thought or, or, or excessive, maybe excessive for you. Excessive. Yeah. For you. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying it was excessive for any of your other family members. No, that's just but it's how just, you yeah. were. And I think that's a really important point to make is that in any, any type of faith transition or pivot in a faith journey, it's going to be very different for everyone. And sure. it's so important to be cognizant of that and honor that and mm-hmm. not be in a rush for someone else to sh- hurry up and get to where you're at or just to allow yeah. wherever they their journey is taking them. Yeah. In an earlier podcast episode of mine, it's actually number 3, I call it the anatomy of a belief. Mm-hmm. And I kind of dissect what a belief is, coach we both certified through the life coach school. And so we both know that a belief is simply a thought that you have over and over and over again. The more we have that certain thought, the more ingrained we could say, it becomes in our brain. A neural pathway is created, like literally. Our brains are all about efficiency. And so we'll to use the least amount of energy to get from point A to point B. They're going to go to the thoughts that are used most often, right? They're gonna go to our habit brain to pick from our thoughts. That's where we ultimately will get our feelings. The thought feels true because we believe it's true. We've thought it so many times and it resonated with us. So we believe it to be true. This is what I call the anatomy of a belief. And I think where we feel threatened as human beings in the challenging of a belief is that we forget where it came from in the first place. We forget kind of the basics of what a belief is. And I think for many of us, we don't even realize that we did get to choose it in the first place. We may not be cognizant of that. The why behind we chose it is going to be different, whether we felt pressured or like there was no other option or we were very young and on and on, but we still did Mm -hmm. choose that belief, right? Mm -hmm. So... Your faith journey pivoted when your husband um, distanced himself from the church. Yeah. So you have a child who identifies as LGBTQ+. Yeah. I can only imagine that it took another pivot when that was introduced into your family dynamic. Can you share a little bit about that with us?
1: Sure. So my son came out um as bisexual two and a half years ago three years probably three years ago now Mm -hmm. and at the time I knew this was just like that it was going to be uh evolution I wasn't I was surprised it's funny because people ask me did you know and I didn't Mm -hmm. but when he did finally come out to me as bisexual I knew that he had been wrestling with that for quite some time okay um I'll I'll share a little story with you. He sure. had gone to the, he had gone to the temple earlier in that year, so he didn't come out till October. In February, he had gone to the temple with his cousins to do baptisms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a work that we do in our temples for um, people that have passed on, and he told me he went. I don't know if it was in the celestial room or where it was, but he sat and prayed, Heavenly Father, um, if he was what he was feeling about himself was true because he had been questioning, you know, whether he was gay or whether he was bisexual. And he had a sure feeling that he was in the right place and that how he was feeling was okay. And that God loved him. And so I just share that story because I feel like it wasn't when he came out, it wasn't just a thing. You know a lot of people are like oh well maybe it's a fad maybe it's a phase for him it really wasn't mm-hmm. and i knew he had been struggling with it and questioning it for quite some time i love that he shared that with me uh-huh. it gave me peace to know that he would you know really ponder and pray about it
0: thank you for trusting me and our listeners that's a very mm-hmm. personal and very special experience How did his sharing of that experience with you contribute to your ability to lean into questions that came up for you at that time or, or it
1: just gave, it gave me peace to know that, you know, God was looking out for him or that. And it it made me feel like he had a, he had a place for him. Mm -hmm. Now, five months after that, I got diagnosed with cancer. Oh, wow. And so... For the next year and a oh. half, I, I was battling cancer and he so his his coming out progressed and he in the end ended up coming out as trans. Okay. Transgender masculine. So it's funny because I taught when I talk to people, I tell them that I my cancer was a buffer. It made what not what he was going through, but it made him being LGBTQ and trans, not as big a deal. It was like, okay, like this is not life or death. This mm-hmm. is who you are. This is exactly where you need to be. And I can accept that because it, like I said, it's, it wasn't life or death. It was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, I know for a lot of people, they really feel like when their child comes out it's life or death, like that they're, you know, because of what we're taught, that they feel like what's going to happen in the eternities and and all of these things. But Mm -hmm. to me, it was like, no, this is okay. This is just okay.
0: It sounds like to me, um, the cancer diagnose was something that absolutely grounded you into the here and the now, the present moment, focusing on, I have a healthy, child i have beautiful family i have blessings. i'm here i'm physically here to enjoy this the rest of it we'll figure it out
1: yeah it was exactly like that and so for me that's all that mattered he was healthy he was like he's a great kid he's just like a great kid he knew who he was and he you know he felt he felt okay being that person
0: If you feel comfortable, can you share a little bit about what it was like for you specifically navigating the way you had been taught, right? The way you understood the policies, doctrine, you know, things by the handbook, so to speak, navigating that with how you firsthand were experiencing your child.
1: Well, when he, so he actually, at the time he was coming out, was going to church he had great friends in Young Women's. Mm-hmm. He had a very good um, teacher in his class who was very who was very much an ally. He's the type of kid that everybody loves. Everybody knows him. He's mm-hmm. so friendly. He's empathetic. They didn't have a problem with him because they loved him.
0: I but, love that for you. I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we had a really good experience. And our bishop actually was really good too. He he said to us, if he wants to go to Young Women's, he can. If he wants to go to Young Women's, he can. Mm-hmm. And so originally it was, it was pretty good. Now he decided to step back from the church because he mm-hmm. began to feel like there really wasn't a place for him, mm-hmm. with just as far as being transgender, he grew up with those kids and yeah. it just got to the point where he felt like he didn't really fit in. I continued to go to church. He was okay with that. He said, mom, I know you go to church. I know why you go to church. You go to church to feel the spirit mm-hmm. and you go to church because you have friends you love it. And so I continued to go. But as time went on, it got harder and harder for me to be there. Mm -hmm. Just knowing that there really wasn't a place for him. And for others that are transgender.
0: I I feel that.
1: So he changed his name legally. He -hmm. identifies as male. And I just know that the way that the church views him, it wouldn't be as the same as what he is feeling inside. Right.
0: One thing I love about what is a consistent theme for you is how you are able to respect and honor each member of your family's journeys that you just honored that when your child needed to step back, you understood. And there was that mutual respect and you didn't know where your journey was going to take you at the time. You just, you were in the here and the now experiencing what was coming up, but I'm getting from you. You were really able to, or you learned to maybe (laughs) stay present. So I would love to hear a little bit more about, you You mentioned that the others at in your faith community at church love your son, your ch- love them unconditionally. I would love to hear a little bit more about what that was like for you. You had be open about in your faith community, whether in a classroom setting or small group outside of the actual church building, or maybe just one-on-one.
1: I think- For the most part, it wasn't something I necessarily talked about, but I think everybody knew. My son, I'll tell you a funny story. My son came to church one day and it was COVID and we had to sit out in the lobby. And so we were sitting there and he was wearing pants, a suit, like a tie, but then he was wearing these long dangly earrings. Mm -hmm. And this little boy came out, my friend and her little son came out to the foyer and he looked at my son and looked and looked. All of a sudden he says to him, you're a dad, right? <laughs> and my friend and I burst out laughing and my son Pierce <laughs> thought it was the best thing ever because those earrings really threw him off. He was like three years old, four years old. He just could but he's like, you're wearing a tie and a shirt. So you must be a dad.
0: It was That's so cute. Awesome. That is awesome.
1: That was kind of the last time my son actually went to church. Not because like he thought that was really funny, but at that point he was just kind of slowly transitioning out. So I did have friends that knew, but we didn't really talk about it.
0: Tell me some of the things that helped you to know that they loved and accepted your son for who he Um, was and is.
1: Well, they used his name. Okay. They tried to use like when he went from she, her, to they, them pronouns, and then he, him pronouns. And so they were using his pronouns. The people that were close, my, my closest friends were. Other people in the ward, you know, we wouldn't have really talked about it very much. And the problem was, too, is it was COVID. Yeah. And so church wasn't going on. Yeah. I was sick. I couldn't go out. And it was COVID. So this kind of all tra- happened kind of during that, which maybe actually made the transition easier.
0: Yes, I totally get that. 100%.
1: Yeah. And my husband's family, they, like I said, they all live really close. They've all tried really hard to use the right pronouns, call him the right name, you know, figure it out. His, his cousins, they've all been really good. We've been actually had a lot of community support. He's had, he goes to an excellent high school. They're very inclusive.
0: So apart from using his name, what are some of the other things were they? you know, different in the way that they included or invited him or didn't invite him to things or?
1: Um, Yeah, it was different for him because he was part of the band and basketball players, volleyball players, like they were very, they're very athletic. And so he actually wasn't really part of that anyway. So it wasn't hard for him to make that transition.
0: And those that were on the team, they went with it? they were okay. With oh you. yeah.
1: Um, yeah. The kids in our school are amazing. It's a very Thanks. big school. It's also a fine arts high school. Okay. And so there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of LGBTQ kids. So
0: that is really great. I'm, good I'm genuinely very um, happy for your family and specifically your son, as that is not always the case. So that's truly a blessing for you all. I um, would love to hear from you about what you would share, what you would like others to know about navigating this space, meaning the intersection of identifying as LGBTQ plus or trans or both and the LDS faith. By extension, you know, I would include conservative um, faiths.
1: I think that you need to figure out what works for you. I think that you... As an, like, as a parent, he, for the most part, doesn't let, and, mo- and most people are really good around here, but even if they're not, he's like, for the most part, he doesn't let that bother him. You have to have a tough skin. Yeah. You have to develop that. My s- husband and I, from the very beginning, told our son that he always needed to take the high road when, mm-hmm. after he came out as LGBTQ, that he couldn't be the victim because that doesn't get him or anybody else anywhere. And there's always gonna be people that, you know, just are ignorant or, you know, don't understand. But I think the more you can learn, the more you talk to your LGBTQ kid, if you can look at them through the eyes of like Jesus Christ.
0: 100% same, yes.
1: And having an LGBTQ kid changes you for the better. Like it just does. They're amazing, amazing people.
0: Yeah. I know for me, much like what you just said, it's taught me that I really wasn't as much like Jesus as I thought I was, or, you know, up to that point in my life had strived to be more like Jesus. I realized I had a lot to learn and for sure, this journey has Shown me some of my shortcomings and where I can step up and do better, and it's a daily thing,
1: yeah, but so it gets easier
0: it does in the beginning it's it's a lot tougher, a lot more pain. Yeah, you have definitely been walking this journey with your son to be able to have that kind of an open dialogue and be able to share and give the counsel that you did and it's being secure in his identity is, is very much a pro. It's a, you know, a blessing. And I know that there are those that are questioning or wondering about their identity, not sure. And that's an okay place to be in as well. It's a process. Mm-hmm. It's not like a light switch where you flip it on or off. It's another place of learning about yourself. And just because we're talking about it more in this generation doesn't mean it didn't used to exist. It just means that we have more safe spaces in which to talk about them. No matter where your child might be now doesn't mean that that's where they will always be. It's it's a journey. It's a process. and And growth is going to happen both for you and for them. One final question. Share with me and our listeners, what does it mean to you to live beyond the shadow of doubt? I picked this title for my podcast on purpose. My reasoning behind it was, is let's get past this shadow that doubt has been cast in and get rid of the shame attached to it and shed the sunlight that it's a good thing. It's a catalyst for growth it challenges us. It helps us think in different ways and think for ourselves. I truly believe our, you know, the growth process is so paramount and important to our heavenly parents.
1: So I've really pondered that question since you decided to, or since you asked me to come on your podcast. And I, I've come to realize that beyond a shadow of a doubt is Kind of a hard thing for me to um, believe. I was gonna say there's only a few things that I, I really believe beyond a shadow. Well, believe beyond a shadow of doubt, and that is I choose my children, my husband, and I believe in Jesus Christ. I love that. Um, and what he stood for, and how he loved, and I try to emulate that every day and yeah i believe doubts are are important i I believe it's really important to look at your doubts and try to understand why you have them you can learn and grow so much in that
0: i agree yeah
1: don't be afraid of doubts
0: i want to genuinely thank you for coming on today and being so willing to be open and vulnerable this is not an easy space, and to take it a step further and share about it in a more public way is a brave thing to do. So I, I thank you, and I honor you for doing that. And solidarity, Mama, solidarity.
1: <laughs> thank you, Egan. I appreciate it.
0: So just for funsies, I have a few questions yeah. that I always ask my my guests. Just okay. require one word answers, one or two word answers. Okay. That's it. So what is your favorite book?
1: Oh, my favorite book. Mm-hmm. Good grief. I don't even know. I like you awesome have so books. many.
0: You have so many favorites. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's not one that I've read over and over and over again that I would call my favorite.
0: Okay. All the books. All the books are your favorite. Yeah. Are you an introvert or an extrovert?
1: Um, I would say extrovert. Okay. Yeah. I like people. I need people.
0: A night owl or a morning lark. Mm.
1: I'm becoming more of a morning, a morning lark as in my old age.
0: Tell me your secrets. Cause I'm still not. <laughs> okay. Do you have a favorite artist?
1: I do. His, his name is Brent Laycock. He does landscapes of Southern Alberta. Ooh. I actually paint myself. And so I w- at first I was going to say me. I'm my favorite oh, artist. You
0: should. You should.
1: Because <sighs> I
0: do love to paint. Where can we go to see your work?
1: Uh, you can't right now.
0: Okay. Well, It's
1: all in my house.
0: Okay. to so be one day. Maybe one day and then I'll have you back. Yeah. Do you like still or carbonated water better? Carbonated. Carbonated. Not and-
1: water. I am a Diet Coke drinker, so... <laughs>
0: This place you've traveled?
1: Like Mexico? I haven't awesome. gone
0: that far. You've gone as far as Mexico? What part? Like Cancun. Oh, I've been close to there, but not to Cancun. I've been
1: probably further down on a cruise.
0: Mm-hmm. But... So maybe the Caribbean. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, the Caribbean. Yeah. Well, please share with um, our listeners how they can connect with you and where they can find you on social media, your website, and so forth.
1: Okay, so you can email me at, at gmail.com. And I am on Instagram as LGBTQ coach Jenny. And I'm still working on my pod, or my my website, sorry.
0: Okay. I will include those in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here today and for listening to Jenny's uh, heartfelt touching story. Um I am honored. If you haven't heard already, come join me in Hopeful Spaces. It is a Dallas Hope Charities component of Hopeful Discussions, which is sponsored by Mercedes-Benz Financial Services USA. Hopeful Spaces is a monthly parent support group facilitated by Megan Skidmore Coaching. To join is free. Please send an email to chc at dallashopecharities.org. The Beyond the Shadow of Doubt podcast is a proud member of the Dialogue podcast network found at DialogueJournal.com forward slash podcast network. Founder Eugene England was a Mormon writer, teacher, and scholar. He said, my faith encourages my curiosity and awe. It thrusts me out into relationship with all creation and encourages me to enter into dialogue. My hope is that this podcast is an extension of his vision. invite you to help my podcast grow by following, rating, and reviewing it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Please share it with friends and loved ones. Don't forget to subscribe at meganskidmorecoaching.com to get my free 20-page LGBTQ plus resource guide for family. Sign up for my one-to-one coaching waitlist, and you can also access my free pronouns 101 guide. Thanks so much for being here. Until next